Hey, magic makers. Welcome back to Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health, creativity, and entrepreneurship meet. I'm Kelsey Foremost, your host, marketing expert, copywriting expert, and mental health advocate who loves having deep conversations about what it's really like to build a life you love. Today, I am so excited to share this conversation with you. And if I had to pick an overall theme, I would say it's debunking the myth of overnight success. My guest today is Eddie Liu. He is a good friend of mine. He is an incredible actor. You can see him right now starring on the CW's reboot of Kung Fu. You can also see him in Netflix's Never Have I Ever. He has had this incredible boom, this amazing year where all of a sudden he's everywhere and people are thinking, wow, who is this guy? What an overnight success. But Eddie and I actually met years ago in the trenches in Los Angeles when we were both auditioning as actors in Hollywood and really trying to build our support system and make it while we were pursuing our dreams. And I just have so much respect for the way that Eddie has been able to not only blossom in his career, but also really advocate for Asian American representation and Asian American rights. We have a really amazing conversation that you're about to hear about both representation and also normalizing Asian culture in the entertainment industry and in other industries as well. So Again, we're really debunking that myth of overnight success and even really what success is because yes, you can achieve these incredible milestones like starring on a major TV show, but if you don't have the other stuff in your life that is fulfilling you, if you don't have that support system, friendships, relationships, um, a good living situation, good mental health, then those milestones just don't. They, they're not going to fulfill you. You know what I mean? So I am so excited for you to hear Eddie's story. He drops some serious nuggets of wisdom. So get your notebooks out, get ready to listen to this conversation with Eddie Liu on Find Your Magic. Eddie, I am tickled pink that you are here <gasps> on Find Your Magic with me today. I am so glad to be here. I, I thank you so much for inviting me and thinking of me. I, I, I love this for us. I love this for us too. I love this journey for us. I love this journey for Eddie, so you're very fancy and famous these days, <laughs> and we'll get to that. But I want to start our conversation today because, you know, we're all about mental health here and staying healthy when we're in seasons that might be a little more difficult. And I really want to talk about the opportunities and like the journey that led you to where you are now and kind of how we got to this moment. One of the things I definitely want to tell people is how we met. Do you want to take it or do you want me to take it? You take it. You, why don't you lead? Okay. Yeah. So Eddie and I met doing a acting showcase with ABC, the network ABC. It was the diversity showcase and I was the one white girl. And I'm so, so grateful that they included me because- It's a diverse cast. 
may I remind the audience that the, cat, the ensemble is diverse. <laughs> the ensemble is diverse. And yet I am very cognizant of the fact that I was so lucky to be there. And that experience really opened my eyes in so many ways about representation and the importance of representation, about the different journeys of people with different backgrounds. And we'll dive into that too. But I want to talk about that showcase in particular, because we had crazy rehearsal days, like long ass rehearsal days where we yeah. were getting paid. Like we were just there for the love of it. And I want to yeah. stress and that the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The love of it and the opportunity. And I want to stress that one of the benefits of the struggle is actually the blessing of friendships, you know? Yeah. And I, I can think, I think that you could probably attest to how many deep friendships and support systems you were able to create sort of on your journey to where you are now. Truly, I, in the past few years, uh, I've noticed that like, sometimes I'll kind of stop and be like, wait a second, I don't, sometimes I feel like I have a lot of friends, like my girlfriend thinks that I'm friends with everyone <laughs> in town. And, and there, are, there are times where I kind of stop and like, I feel like, like I'll get like a self tape and, and I'll be like, I have no one to call. Like I'm going to ask and I feel so oh, alone. Yes. It's such a, that's such a, a misconception on my part. That's my brain doing something funky too. And it's just, I'm just in panic mode and I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm doing a poor job coping with, uh, with a, with a sense of urgency. Uh, mm. and I've always struggled with that. Um, and I procrastinate <laughs> a lot. Um, us creative but, types do. I think that there is something in us that's like that perfectionism where we're like, where we put off doing it because we know we have a vision of what it's going to be. And we don't know if we're going to be able to make it. <laughs> yeah. That. And then for me also, like I, I not only am I a perfectionist, but I'm afraid of doing poorly. Mm -hmm. And so I just dread all of it. And so I just keep kicking the can down the road and then it's self-sabotage. And then now not only do I have nothing, but even if I had started and done a decent job, I have nothing. And that's right. worse than doing just a decent job as opposed to the perfect job. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've definitely struggled with that. And then now I'm in this frenzy of like doing things last minute and, uh, and I'm helping no one. I'm, I'm certainly not helping myself, but yeah, friendships go a long way. And building really strong, healthy bonds where you can help each other, support each other, even if it's just, even if you can't help each other, because I I've, I've found myself in like the blind, leading the blind situations where my <laughs> friends and I are trying to like to crack a code on like an audition or some sort of industry or work related thing. And uh, at least you know you're not alone. And that's really, that's a really important thing to remind yourself. Like you are not, you are not the first person in the world to go through this problem. Dude, preacher choir. I think that that is helping someone. I think that being in the trenches with someone and being brave enough to say, Hey, I actually don't know what the best thing is here, but I'm willing to be with you while we figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And the showcase was like that too. It was, uh, I mean, I very much went into it. I had heard a little bit of advice from, from, alumni like showcase alumni from years past who had said like just remember to have fun just go with it it might be a little stressful like it's it's, it's a various amounts for different people and I, I i i took that that resonated with me and i was just like i i kind of 
I didn't really face my struggles until, well, to be honest, actually, no, I struggled from the beginning. Like when I was auditioning, like I had mm. like an upset stomach. I got like TMI. I got the runs. Thank you for sharing. Hey, I've got runs. IBS. I totally, I totally get right. it. <laughs> okay. So you get it. Um, yeah. So like the first couple, so for those who don't know, it's uh, the whole premise is you're, you're auditioning to get into this. In the way ABC does it, and multiple networks will do this, is a showcase. They audition hundreds or thousands of actors from new, primarily New York, LA, and now they've opened it up to, like, you can be from anywhere. You audition, you get into the showcase, and then basically that network is serving you, the actors, up on a silver platter to industry professionals, like casting directors, agents, managers, XYZ. And um, it's in a theater, by the way. So it's, it's like the one night only feels very... Yeah, it feels like you got one shot. That's that's how ABC does it. CBS used to do it like they would do like eight performances in a week, which is cool because a lot of people can come. Yeah, that is. And it feels more like yeah, it's like you have ample opportunity for people to come see you do your thing, which is great. Mm. We only had the one, and so that that scarcity mindset that uh, mindset doesn't help. This is how I know this is going to be a great conversation. You just said the word scarcity mindset. Uh, that has come up for me several times in other areas as well, especially regarding representation and that we can mm, get to later. Um, yeah. and like, and my show, my current job. And so, you know, you do this thing, you get into the workshop and there's several rounds of auditions. And then when I was getting to the callback rounds, I kept, I was, I, I tend to pour out a lot of energy when I'm on, on the scene or on the job or in that, on the stage of like performance or, um, Work. The camera's on you, sure. When, 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 yeah. So when I, when I was in that office in that waiting room, I was chilling. I was having fun. I was like trying to keep it. I was trying to hold space for those around me, mm. especially like my fellow auditioners, and not trying to say shit like, "Oh man, like this sucks," or "Oh man, this is crazy." Because like, right. I, and, and it is, but like, I don't always want to be the person to bring down the energy. Like, I have a hard time wanting to be that guy. Well, it brings, it brings like the am, energy but, yeah. down inside of us too, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it, it, it's of course lovely to be considerate of the people around you, Yeah. but it's also important to remember, like, as soon as you start saying that kind of stuff, uh, it gets in your own head too. It changes yeah. how you show up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely like, I show up when I'm there. And then in between those callback rounds, I remember like my body was like revolting against me because it was finally acknowledging all the stress that I've been going through. And right. I was like, I know that I'll be fine if I don't get this. I don't even really know what this is. Like there have been times <laughs> where I've auditioned for things and I really wanted it. And you know, that, 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 that I find that that coming from a place of desperation, even if it's for a job that you really want. Yeah. It's great to care. It's great to be hurt by the, by the loss of the job that you didn't get. But at the same time, coming from a place of desperation is, uh, is not conducive and it's not, it's not healthy. So, uh, so I had to learn to we... have fun and let go. Yeah. That I was, that just answered my question, which was, oh, how, how do, we... do you think we show up and care, but also not come off as desperate? And I think you hit yeah. the nail on the head. You have to have fun and let go. And I'd add to that, have confidence which I think is yeah. like the most annoying thing to say because like, oh yeah, easier said than done. Just go in there and have fun and have confidence. Like, do, 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 yeah, do. I think, it, I think for me, my finding my confidence, especially at a time when 
in the, for example the showcase scenario and even in the years after like mm-hmm. auditioning for the for the things that I eventually got or many most of which I did not get um, right it's really easy for us uh it's human nature to compare ourselves to Oof. others yes comparison is the thief of joy it is yep Theodore Roosevelt <laughs> And uh, may I may I add on to that train line? Uh, uh, I believe it was Stella Adler who said, "To compare is to despair," or something. Ooh, like that. that's a good one. That's that's yeah. crocheteable on a pillow on Etsy. Yeah, Look at that. and 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 we and we compare ourselves to people who are not at all like us. Mm-hmm. I could compare myself to an actor of a completely different ethnicity and shape and size who got the job that I wanted. And ultimately, it's when I see when I but it was one project I really wanted a couple years ago, and uh, it, it didn't even get picked up. But I love the character. I actually really loved the script. It was so cool and timely and all that stuff. I didn't get, it and I saw the actor eventually who did get it. He was nothing like me. And in a yeah, way, that happens so such, often. In a way, it was such a relief because I'm like, oh, dude, there's literally nothing you could have done. Yeah, you were like, it's not your fault. It's not his right. Fault. They wanted that. You are not that. That's okay. Yeah. And I think, so let's talk a second about the seasons when you are going after things or building things and there is some scarcity and you're not getting the callbacks or you're not booking, or if you're not an actor, maybe like you just don't feel very inspired or creative, or you maybe feel like you just don't really know what's next. And there's, there are different seasons, right? When you're trying to build a life that is your own, when you're setting up your own path. Yeah. So how do you, and I realize this is a very big question and a very like ongoing journey for all of us. I know it is for me. Yeah. How do you stay sane and motivated in those seasons where the miracles aren't happening? Um, I can I can recall uh, just a couple of years ago, I had uh, on paper, I guess you could say, I think I think some people would look at what I went through as like a big success, mm. um, even though I came up empty in a lot of ways. Um, I had one pilot season two years ago where I this is probably like my third like real pilot season where I was like really going out for many different great opportunities and like most people don't can't scratch that and and I was like I need to remind myself like dude what you're doing here is is great like you're trying you're like you're trying out for the NBA every season you basically get to enter the NFL draft every year if you're an actor and you live in LA you live in Olympic Village like it's, it's, it's the Olympics, the Olympics all day, it's, every day. It's, it's insane. Um, and I had to really kind of remind myself, like, dude, you were surrounded by really great supportive people, like your team, like, you, I'm like, buddy, you have reps, mm. you have representation, you have good effect representation that's willing to pitch you and go to bat for you. And that in and of itself is great. And now to not, you have to like, not be burdened by the the blessings and the benefits that you have in your life. And then you have to be like, what, how do I take my surfboard and keep and run straight for the big wave? Cause mm-hmm. that's my job. Now yeah. the job is to get up on the board and then fall off. Ooh, I love this metaphor. I love visual metaphors, surfing, I have, but I your love job. Analogies. I great. love metaphors. Great. Resident yeah. word nerd metaphors are my jam. And so, not every swell is going to be the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you train? Did you train to ride all those small spells? 
Well, and, and it takes practice and it takes and it practice. practice. And I think that that is something I have to remind myself about all the time, especially going back to what you were saying about comparing yourself to other people and like, oh, well, this person has this milestone or this person made this much money or this person landed this gig. Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? And losing yep. sight of all of the steps I've already climbed. Yeah. And I went just, through that hard, hard, especially yeah. that year. So I, you know, I went up that pilot season and I tested first, I tested for um, uh, a pilot on CBS. Mm-hmm. We went back, a bunch of us went in several times and they wanted like the next Asian male lead man. So this is coming <laughs> off the haunches of, of crazy rich Asians. And, right. And in terms of like the conversation happening in our town and in our, especially mm. the Asian uh, entertainment community, where we're, a lot of us are very, we're very vigilant, 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 vigilant and diligent, vigilant, new word, very steadfast. And there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, not tension in terms of like necessarily within towards each other, but more so like we have such a high demand now and a standard that we want to hold Hollywood and the industry mm-hmm. across the board to like how we are represented going back to that scarcity mindset of like, we only get so many opportunities to represent our community. And when things get whitewashed or when you have only Caucasian producers behind an Asian cast sort of thing, it, wow. it, it, it highlights certain things where it makes people look like it makes it look like there's smoke and and if, if and if people think there's smoke they're gonna be like there might be fire there mm. you know that's not to say like and, and here's the thing like I, we I, we want equality and equity and and so that doesn't mean like a non-asian person can't ever direct asians because we want asians to be able to, to direct non-asians right? right so like so i'm not saying like everything has to be like fully asian across the board through too we just say we're just saying we want but i think what you're saying is incredibly balance. important of course well and let's not forget that you know it is far from where it needs to be right now as an ignorant white woman talking i can, I, I think I, you're being a little hard on yourself <laughs> well uh, i'm just saying i have not experienced personally the same experiences that you have certainly not in the entertainment industry and representation does matter. And so I can conceptually sort of, you know, uh, sympathize, but it's hard to empathize if I have never truly been in that situation as much as I want to. So what I'm trying to- But you just even being here and and talking to me about it is just like, most people don't know how to even begin to to do that. So this right here is great. I'm so glad. I'm all about brave and dangerous conversations. And I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, (laughs) uh, like that that pilot season, it was, uh, you know, there's all these like external extrinsic pressures. Mm. Like there will always be outside noise and- that's not to say that those around you and talking about the job that you want or whatever XYZ stuff, like that, does, that doesn't mean that it's always noise or that it's invalid. Like there will be a lot of valid concerns and criticisms being thrown, say like bullets flying over your head that you have to like, especially as like, we're talking about the entertainment industry where like there's so many high stakes projects mm-hmm. and all the time and everything feels so urgent all the time. The higher you climb, the more more that feeling increases the more urgent things get because you could keep making indie projects with your friends that like 
you know, the pressure may not be quite as high as something that's like studio backed. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stay there and, 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 you know, if you want to relish in that, like really like be proud of yourself for making that sort of thing. But just yeah. so everyone knows, like for what a lot of us are trying to do, especially like for me as just me as an actor in this town, like success coincides with high stakes and, and pressure, which is just unfortunately how it is sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And would yeah. you agree with saying success has its own, like you think, I think people have this idea that, oh, once I get this thing, once I succeed, then I'll be fulfilled and happy and I can relax. No. I was just hearing a friend <laughs> of a friend talk about that. Like my, my friend was telling me how his buddy was basically putting all these arbitrary parameters around himself. Like mm-hmm. when I say arbitrary, I mean, like what I mean is he kind of, he's it's self-imposed. Like he made up his own rules and his own he drew his own borders which was sure. he said, like i'm gonna I make need, six figures by this age or I'm he said make- i need to I, he said, I need to start making getting gaining acting success by the age of 30 mm-hmm. God, we put so much pressure on that freaking age 30. yeah why th- why and you know i was what i would ask is what i would ask that 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 fella over there and um <laughs> and um That's you know and you know, all these other things about woe is me and why not me and all that stuff. And, and I, 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 I understand where it's coming from because I, I guess I went through a little bit of it, a little bit of that. And I never put the age parameter around myself, but like going through that pilot season where I came basically almost second, I was basically second choice behind uh, after testing for a CBS pilot, then NBC pilot with my dream showrunner, like mm. one of one of my dream TV television showrunners. Mm. And then I, came in number two on an ABC pilot. All I tested for three network pilots within a span of like five or six weeks and lost out on all three. And I wow, like, that's some dark night of the soul inducing shit right there, Eddie Lou. So I had some <laughs> I had some I had some shit to resolve within myself afterward. Oof. You know, it just felt like I had to keep climbing up the ladder only to slip off and plunge like to the bottom. Um, and yet, and then like. that's such an incredible feat in and of itself. You tested for three network pilots and almost got them. Like that is close. amazing, right? Like that's yeah. huge. But of course, in the moment when you have these, I don't know, I don't want to even call it a failure. It's just like that particular thing wasn't your thing and that's okay. Yeah. It wasn't when, meant to be mine. Yeah. And it, when it, but it feels like a failure, right? And I right. don't think we don't want to minimize that that is a very real feeling. We store that in our body and it's very tempting if we don't have the tools, the mental health tools, the support around us to say, actually, no, like this isn't part of me. It's not something like that I I didn't deserve. It's just that this wasn't my thing and I'm still me and I'm still talented and yeah, I get back on the surfboard. Turn. Falling off the it, surfboard is part of the job. I'm gonna come back to, to that. You have to keep, yeah. And I also like to use baseball as a constant metaphor for, especially for something like entertainment or art, creative arts related, even in business. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to sell 100% of your inventory. That's right. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you, if you, if you did, like your suppliers wouldn't be able to keep up with you. Like there's an ecosystem in place and there's a sense of balance for the most part for the, you know, for the most part you're not supposed to book 100 percent of the auditions that's right there'd be something really weird about there'd be something you know, i mean and, and i know that it, it, even meryl streep doesn't get every project 100 of the projects that she wants right right one there's only so much time in a year 
Yeah. I saw a great tweet the other uh, a few weeks ago where it said something like, I think it was, I, I love following screenwriters on Twitter. One, because writers are so witty and cool. And also, I mean, it's not that they don't have their baggage like the rest of hu the human race, but like- Oh, us writers, we just, we just swim in the self-loathing till our fingers get all pruny. But it breeds a wonderful wit. And Thank you. Uh, and hopefully tweets. empathy, empathy. Yeah. And empathy. There's a great sense of empathy and a great sense of like, hey, I understand what you're going through when I read these tweets from, from, from I love from, that. From, from, especially follow, from screenwriters. I love that. I'm going to go follow, follow screenwriters. screenwriters on Twitter now. They're great. Um, somebody said something like, I just want to point out that like every script in Hollywood is being written for Olivia Coleman right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I, 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 that sounds true. And also, it's 100% true. That's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. And it changes like whoever the the person is or whatever right, like, and like eight years ago it was jennifer lawrence you know what i mean like, right right you know i mean you, and that changes and the more you try to change and again this is applicable for many different career paths the more you try to follow what somebody else does the less likely you are to actually get the thing that you want oh i know for goodness, me right <laughs> the more you go <laughs> literally sing it i would do that speaking of sidebar eddie is my favorite karaoke partner we oh, always do a whole we, new world we did a whole new world together and <laughs> it was did. wonderful it's oh, our signature man. it's our signature pre-pandemic days that's great oh, gosh. Uh, oh man what you just said about trying to do what other people do i think it's important and i, I don't know we, we were talking about like what steps can we take well, this is maybe on a more macro level, not so much micro everyday level, but I love talking about the macro level. So I, my, my manager is big as the law of attraction, like not like the law of attraction, the law of attraction, not necessarily from the iteration of like the secret, but like energies, yes, energies, Abraham Hicks, like that sort of thing. You are in the right place. Great. Amazing. Um, like. All right. So for the listeners, like what you put out is what you get back. Um, and, and, and that can be very, I understand that that can be very frustrating to hear for a lot of people, especially mm -hmm. when they're going through some, what we call contrast. In other words, the thing that you don't want necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and after, not only did I lose out on those three pilots, later that year, there was a huge feature film that was casting Asian guys, particularly just one Asian guy. That's all, that's mm -hmm. only one. There, was, there was just one, there was just one one train there was room for only one passenger and everybody was trying to get, trying to get into the train God, and that's so uh, frustrating that's so and i i felt like i really felt in my heart that i should have at least gotten a callback this is how i felt at the time I, now sure. i'm like it's, it's fine it wasn't anything like no i get I, it. I really felt like i was right for the character and all that stuff and and i didn't get it and I didn't even, I couldn't even sniff a callback. And I, mm. and, and it, it caused a lot of like, what's wrong with me? Why, sure. why not me? What am I missing? And how can I be more like, I'm, I mean, I'm pointing across the board at like several individuals who I'm like, I'm literally I'm like, what, how do they post on Instagram? How do they carry themselves in the media in oh, interviews God. and press? Like, and I, I, I think it's a helpful tool to study those who are succeeding in and who are like say if you're that type and seeing what works for them i don't I, and, but i do think that it starts to become harmful when you think that you need to be exactly like that yeah yeah you know, or you that, start that changing is bad. yeah absolutely i think there's a difference between learning and copying yeah right? like yeah exactly 
there's a, it's absolutely a wonderful idea to see someone you admire and think, and, and, you know, sort of take a step back and objectively think like, how did they arrive at where they are? Like maybe what training did they receive or what can I learn from watching this person's path? Yeah. But then don't try to follow in that exact path because it's not going to work for you. Don't cut your hair. Like (laughs) I remember, I remember back in God, this, I'm dating myself, but whatever. I am owning my age. So I remember when I graduated in 2009 from college, I moved to New York City. I think we had really similar paths, Eddie, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Where did you go to school? Davidson. It was in uh, North Carolina, a real small school, but I went there because there was uh-huh. a residency with the Royal Shakespeare Company. So I was a theater Ooh. nerd, like full stop. Went to uh, New York City. Uh, you you earned that theater nerd card. Like that is a <laughs> that's a well earned card. It is. It is. I'm a card carrying member. You ever watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Like, uh, did you? What, 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 you paid the iron price for your theater uh, card, nerd card. I did. I did. Yeah. Ooh. Any hoodle. Moved to New York to pursue theater. Ended up getting way more into film um, pretty quickly. And at the time, the big show on TV was New Girl. And every freaking girl in New York City dyed her hair a little bit darker and got herself a pair of nerdy glasses and cut freaking bangs. Every single girl. Like you'd go into an audition room and it would just be doppelgangers of Zoe Deschanel. Because right, that was right, what right. was hot. And so everybody who was thinking, oh, Zoe Deschanel and New Girl is so hot right now. I have to, like, if I fit in that box, then they'll see me as, a, you know, on par or a star or whatever. Right, right. But they were doing themselves a disservice. Me included, by the way, I have those awful headshots in the plaid shirt with the the thick rim glasses. I've and got them. And pop the lenses out. Sure so did. be a glare. Sure the, did. lights. <laughs> We all, we all have those terrible glasses shots, <laughs> let's be honest. But it was, it's so true that like, as soon as somebody did that, first of all, you get called in for the wrong, the wrong things, the wrong opportunities start presenting themselves because they're presenting themselves for the person who is that thing, Yep. you know? So the more yep. you, you can be, and the more work you can do kind of separate from your career, really honestly, more work you can do on understanding yourself, the gift that you have to give the unique thing you want to share with the world. That's, what's going to attract the right thing back to law of attraction. I really feel like that the more true I stayed to myself in a performance aspect, like, uh, cause, cause I'm going to try to stay a little bit more less, a little less general for the, for the listeners and the viewers. Like (laughs) I really tried to like figure out like what makes me interesting to watch and what Mm -hmm. makes me what really separates myself? Because the guys I was comparing myself to, I, I arrived at this moment of like, all right, he's handsome, but is he funny? You know? <laughs> but then I come across like really funny, like other Asian guys. And I'm like, yeah, he's funny, but is he handsome? You know, like, you know and then I'm just digging myself into this, this crappy little hole of self-loathing and comparison. And, and like, God, that's it, it's not, it's not, it wasn't always, it wasn't always healthy. But like what I had to figure out was like, wait, I, I can do comedy. And mm-hmm. I do have, comedic timing in a way that not all of these guys can do that's right identifying and your gifts I was trying to I yeah and I was able to identify that especially in that pilot season where yeah I think 
I think I would like to think that a lot of actors could point at that and be like, oh shit, like that, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I, I understand on, from the outside perspective, like that's what everyone wants to do. And while it sucks to have, feel like I failed or feel like I lost, especially because like I was really poor and like one, one pilot layer. check would have really dug, would have dug me out of a financial hole for at least a little while. That would have definitely solved some problems. You know, I was going through like personal, like family drama at the time. And like, it was just very taxing, you know, it was just, yeah. I felt, I felt like I was like, I can gain so many things and reach new levels and just not even like live uh, splendidly, but just like get myself out of this shithole that I was uh, currently stirring in. And like, but what I found through all of it was it strengthened my wings. Mm. And that's what I needed. I, I and, and after that, like, after going through three network tests in front of rooms full of suits mm-hmm. and going in and out, going in and out, really not too different from the ABC showcase right. casting process. Right. Like to be able to go in, have a bunch of people look at you and maybe not laugh. Yeah. In a Oof. comedy. Yeah. Like when they don't laugh, it's not necessarily because it wasn't funny, but because a lot of times they're buried in their they're buried their in their notes and they're thinking, their, yeah, their how tall is this person? Or like, and then yeah. they're also thinking about the ensemble. I know that with our a showcase situation, a lot of it is them like thinking about who should I pair Kelsey with next? Who does who does who did Eddie not read with? Who I really need to see before we run out because we all have to leave in twenty minutes. Right. You know, it's a lot of business stuff that like. I mean, there's, it has someone, nothing there's, there's to do time, with you. There's nothing to do with you. And we, the, the person buying for the job or buying for the project or the, or the, or the part, mm-hmm. we concern ourselves with all these things that are, it's not your job to worry about that in the moment. So it, Ooh, when yes. it comes, when you're under, when you're in a pressure situation, it's not your job to solve everything or have all the answers. Your job is to do just your job. And yeah. in that moment, it's to stand and deliver the thing that you're supposed to do, whether it's that scene or that creative thing or whatever, whatever the hell it is. And I, I, I might have, so after I got turned down from those three things, the first project, we'll call it project A, <laughs> did a new round of casting. Oh, wow. And I went back in again. Wow, wow, wow. And I was, I wasn't, I was a more optimistic version of, you remember Owen Wilson after <laughs> when he started seeing wedding crashers, when he starts crashing weddings by himself? Yes. Oh and my kinda, God. And he had, he's really jaded and he's really, he's talking to kids about how like, Oh, like everybody ends up alone or everyone dies. Or something. <laughs> so I kind of felt, I felt that level of exhaustion and that level of like, yeah, I've seen some shit. And like, I'm sitting in that waiting room and I'm like, I was probably like a bad influence around the guys sitting around me. I don't feel proud of that, but that's hilarious. It, but I can't I, even imagine was, you being a, a pessimistic influence. It like doesn't compute in my brain. I, I was a more optimistic version of Owen Wilson in that moment, but I had felt like, yeah, I've seen it. I've been through it. Like, who cares? It's just an audition. And for yeah. some of these guys, this audition was a big deal because it was maybe the first time going in. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'm sitting back there like, Mm-hmm. metaphorically like, not uh, figuratively like shooting spitballs at the sure. process because i know sure. what a crap shit it was because i'm like guys they don't know what the fuck they want they keep bringing in different people yeah. and we're all so different from each other and um but what happened was i uh, my wings had sort of strengthened and mm-hmm. that scenario of a, of a screen test and auditioning in front of like showrunners and producers like i it didn't affect me anymore it didn't mm-hmm. scare me anymore i was like i can do this and then fast forward three months yeah I auditioned for never have I ever it was easy and booked it and then I booked it let's talk about how you're famous and wonderful (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, what's interesting about that is I went in and I read with, it was like my friend John and then it was me and then my friend Ken. And then we all read back to back to back. And oh, all wow. three of us could have played versions of, of that character, Steve. Hmm. And I just decided to just be, I'm like, I'm going to make, I'm like, I know that he, he reads as a jock type, mm-hmm. like just like a sort of like all American classic, just a regular dude. Right. And I, but, but as, as the project went on, I tried to make it a little more neurotic mm-hmm. and a little more like just a little more Eddie, just a little more weird and a little <laughs> bit more like a little more insecure and a little more Eddie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but what's cool is I got to get coffee with those, with my friends afterwards. And like, here we are, like we could celebrate the fact that we're, quote unquote competing competing against each other but we can celebrate the fact that we're here in the olympics like we're here we're doing the damn thing you know and like the fact that i have friends in the industry like that's that's great and i love that but but then also fast forward to a year later after doing all those screen tests i when i network tested for kung fu it was a breeze yeah i was fine yeah it was just another at bat for me and like uh like when we so in short the sense of failure and the sense of getting your ass kicked or the sense of loss work related or creative arts related like you need, especially when it comes time to do some shit like auditioning right you gotta you gotta learn how to fall off that wave so that you can learn to ride ride the, the next big one that comes so that you even get back in yeah i mean there's that's a whole, the thing there's a reason look at look at kelly slater kelly slater yeah. is a 20 plus time world champion surfer if you look at his body, he is not like, he's not built like a bodybuilder, but you look at him, you're like, that is a man with full body stability and, and a healthy function. Like all his muscles are, can engage and work the way that's supposed to when you ride a surfboard. And mm-hmm. that, you build that from years of surfing. Right. There's a reason why, there's a reason why a rookie NBA player doesn't become MVP most of the time <laughs> unless you're like, steph curry shout out Davidson. unless you're steph curry yeah yeah, yeah. Like, even, <laughs> like michael jordan got cut from his vars- high school varsity team a couple of times you know what i mean like i love that you know like you need everybody needs to to quote unquote fail like in, in brazilian jiu-jitsu there's a saying um and and now i've seen it applied to other things as well like you either win or you learn oh can you repeat that for the people in the back you either win or you learn. Boom. Some sometimes you lose, and sometimes it sucks, and sometimes it takes a moment for you to take a step back and assess what this means and what the fuck could you learn from it. And like sometimes a loss just sucks. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I hate I hate being the guy that says, "Oh, everything happens for a reason." Um, sometimes things don't happen for a reason, like when they do happen. But if you do have the ability to take a step back and give it a reason and mm-hmm. give it meaning and give yourself a lesson to uh, uh, obtain from that loss or that thing that that's hurting you more power to you like that can only be a benefit I love that assigning it a reason that reminds me of something that my therapist actually helps me with she gave me this sort of exercise when it was one of those times one of those seasons where it just was like thing after thing after thing after thing you know I feel like we've all been in that like a job thing, a relationship thing, a family thing, uh, you get a giant zit, you know, like all the things happen. Boom, 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 boom. And she goes, okay, next time a thing like this happens after you give yourself the grace to sort of either mourn the thing or rage at the thing or whatever it is, I don't want you to put it away until you say it's good. This happened because, and fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So 
-hmm. like, you know, and it works by the way, going back. Like if there are things that you still feel resentful of, or, you know, pissed that you didn't get like, Oh, it's really good. I didn't get that job because then I wouldn't have been available for Kung Fu or it's really good. I didn't end up with that guy because then I met my husband or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, Yeah, you know, and they can be little things, but it's a small mental shift that has really helped me of just when you're, when you have a second and you've sort of gotten through that initial wave of just shit saying, you know what, this is actually good because fill in the blank. I also like to think of it as, and this is, I learned from my, my, my friends who like are really big into Abraham Hicks. It's like mm-hmm. when things like ask yourself if it's happening to you or happening for you. I love and, that. And, and then those things that are happening either to you or for you, depending how you feel about that thing in that moment, you could think of it as like that thing is getting you ready to where you want to go. Yes. Okay. Do you feel like Never Have I Ever, which by the way, if you guys don't know, is an amazing, adorable show on Netflix. That it's really I, good. To be honest, Eddie, okay, both of your shows. I was like, all right, I got to watch Eddie's shows. And okay, real talk, you guys, when you're an actor and you all your friends are actors, you're constantly having to be like, okay, I got to watch this person saying, no, 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 no. Right, right, right. But they're both so good. <laughs> like, thank you. Never have oh, I ever. Geez, I binged you. the whole season. It was the cutest darn thing. Yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah, uh, it's it's so super well funny. It made me kind of, it like took me back to high school in my heart. It was so great. Yeah. But don't you, do you kind of feel like never have I ever really got you ready for Kung Fu? It was such a, a stepping stone. Thousand percent. And I remember when I got the audition for Kung Fu, I had two reactions. One, a show called Kung Fu mm. on the CW. Great. Like who, like who needs that? You know, wow. and the other, like, do we really need a show about Asians doing Kung Fu? It was the first reaction. That was before I actually read sure. the damn thing. I was going to say, and then you was, read it or watched it. Yeah. And then I started to read it and I read the breakdown. And then the second reaction was, I'm not going to get this. <laughs> I felt in my mind, I saw, I, I, in my mind's eye saw an archetype and I started to picture a few of my Asian actor buddies who mm-hmm. I knew were on paper, this role. Interesting. And so I went into the audition with a sense of, I, I also fun fact, uh, I auditioned for two roles. I auditioned for my role, Henry, and I auditioned for Nikki, the lead's brother. I was going to say the brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because on in the breakdown, and I, when I read the sides, I felt like I could have really gone either way as mm. far as like who I am as a person and like Eddie's essence and kind of like I, I, Ryan was funny he had he had baggage like he and when I say baggage I mean like he had a gripe like his sister mm. abandoned him for three years like that was his best friend that was his confidant and he just and she just up and left him and of course he has a bone to pick with her when she shows up and this is all in the pilot for those that haven't seen it um <laughs> and, and, and he he makes like he makes these underhanded like remarks that are like there's they sting mm-hmm. he's being there's a little sarcastic there. but there's pain behind that and i love that about him and, and my buddy jp john Presida, got that role and it's like you know i now i you know i can't i can imagine that role any other way except the way john does it now and, and that's what's so cool about the casting process um uh but yeah i i didn't i didn't i assumed i was gonna get it and so 
what I think the experience that I gained, especially working on like a on like four episodes of Never Have I Ever, it, that, with the character of Steve, I kept with every episode. I found I would play. I really found a sense of play because you had a little I, more time, right? To I breathe. had more time, and that's the blessing of like. Why do you think good actors get better? Because they yeah. book and then they have time to play or mess up. But they also have the opportunity. They can afford the opportunity to do a bad movie once in a while. And yeah. it gets swept into the rug and then nobody cares. Like some people <laughs> like it, but like for the most part, it's not going to hurt their careers. Right. And like my, my, my mom said, has, as a non-sports fan, my mom will have good questions about sports. For example, like Derek Jeter would reach these milestones with the Yankees. Like, oh, he's got the most hits and, <laughs> you know, in New York Yankees franchise history. And, and. And then my mom would be like, yeah, well, if I played on a team long enough, I'd eventually get a lot of hits too. I'm like, that is a great Very point. profound, so right. Mama Lou. <laughs> it's very profound. However, and my dad and I had to explain her like, no, no, no. Like, if you don't do well, like, you're not going to last on the team. You'll get traded, you'll get cut, or you'll get injured. Or like, you know, you can't be mediocre and last. You have mm. to stay good in order to keep playing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that with a lot of other things too. Like, yeah, you kind of have to, and sometimes you have to white knuckle it. Like sometimes you have to just be like, I got to get through this season. Even if I don't feel particularly motivated, I don't feel like things are going my way. I still care enough. Yes. That's so true. Like everything eventually feels like work. Yes. Yes. It's true. And then it becomes fun again. Like it starts to feel like work that is natural and normal. And I don't think we shed enough light on that to be perfectly frank. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as that happens, we feel like, oh no, is this no longer the thing? Or I don't know, that's a whole nother conversation, but sometimes you really just have to like sit and marinate and like get through whatever you're going through in order to see what's on the other side and then make a decision. Like for me deciding to, Like I personally, for those who don't know, was an actress for over 10 years, had a lot of success, got the biggest role of my life, and then decided I didn't want to act anymore, at least for the time being. But it took me a few years to make that decision. And the only reason I made that decision was because for me personally, I knew that I wanted to give my gift in a different way. And here we are, and here I am giving it. Here we are, yeah. Here we are. But I think it's so important to to let people know that there is that element of play. There is that element of, of I, I'm just going to leap and maybe the net will appear. Maybe it won't, but I'm going to leap anyway. You have to take that first step and you also have to kind of, I think what was successful with regards to me auditioning for my role in Kung Fu was I set the tone. I decided this is how if oh, I, I am going to, in the, in the off chance that I get this, <laughs> I'm going to play this the way that I want to. And so in the experience of playing Steve in Never Have I Ever, which was, he's quirky. He comes off on paper as a regular dude, but he's actually quite a little weird, a little neurotic. I made him a little, <laughs> a little dumber than I think the writers had intended. Like I chose to do that. There are times when Steve might come off a little dorky I, I one of the, i saw a really funny comment on, on my instagram once somebody like somebody was like why does hollywood hollywood keep making the asian guy dorky and i was like i think you think steve is dorky because i am dorky <laughs> i think that's what i think that's what came off that, I, that wasn't mindy and lang the creators doing that was me choosing to do that because that was me having fun and that's what resonated with me in the performance so please don't mm. trash all hollywood unilaterally <laughs> for that decision um but that sense of play and that whatever 
like Olivia said this about her role with Nikki and I've said this about mine with Henry is that I don't think I would have booked that role were it not for my prior experience on the previous gig. Mm -hmm. And so when I went into auditioning and screen testing for Henry, I had fun. I was putting in comedic elements. I was like giving it, I chose, I really did my best to color in between the lines and outside mm -hmm. the lines. Cause I said, fuck it. <laughs> if you're going to sign me for a six year deal, I'm going to play this yeah. the way that I want to and not the way that only not, and not exclusively the way that I think I'm supposed to. Oh, I love that. I love and, that. I'm going to play it, this the way that I want to. Yeah. And, and here's, and, and I, I, you know, for any actors listening, like you may have already heard this kind of like it's your job to give your interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I think there are a lot of times when, especially for actors who are still building their co-star and guest star credits and, and, and working their way up, like, and you're still at the foundational level, mm -hmm. like Audrey Moore calls it tier one level yeah. acting. Audrey Moore is amazing. Listen to her. I've learned, I've, I learned so much listening to that as well. You also have to learn storytelling and you have to know the recipe and the assembly line for storytelling, especially in television, and that there's an arc and a flow and there's a there's an ebb and flow energy when it comes to playing a co-star, a guest star, and sure. a series regular. Even for my job, like I had to suss that out and be like, I'm the supporting character in the scene. How do I support so-and-so? So that you can eventually do the thing that you want to yeah, create so the thing that you want to create. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually wrote down, and I, I want to end by just briefly touching on how great Kung Fu is because again, like I- I was like, all right, here I go. Like watching my friends thing. Let's see how this goes. And by the <laughs> yeah. by, you guys, so Kung Fu is a show. It's it almost wrapped season one on CW. It's aired. Yeah. And we have ours, our, as of today, as of, as of recording, we have our, our season finale is next week. Wow. That's, that's it. One amazing. episode left in the season. Yeah. One episode left in the season and Kung Fu, it's actually a reboot. And the yeah. original was 1972 to 75. Yeah. I looked on IMDb before this. Nice. And the lead was a white male. in Playing a mixed Chinese, mixed race Chinese man. Yeah, there's, yeah. All, there's all kinds of problematic. So There's a lot of things there. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. So I yeah. love that the fact that A, this is gender flipped and Olivia is like, Oh, she's amazing. She's the one. Yeah. She's the one. Um, it's very updated for today's audiences. And yes, it is amazing to see a cast that is just full of Asian representation. It's the whole ass Asian family. Whole ass Asian family. But it also is just a family. And they're yeah. talking about grief and they're talking about hard conversations and family conflict and, yeah. you know, sexual identity. And it's, it's yeah. so important to call attention to the, the, in my opinion, such a great uh, example of both representing Asian culture and normalizing Asian culture. It's both. Yeah. Because this family is, is while they're uh, distinctly a Chinese American family, it's also just an American family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there, so there's this line, um, in the very beginning, and I literally scribbled it down on my little paper here because I was like, you've got to say this in, in the Ooh, podcast with Eddie today. It's you make the path that you live. 
And it's said a few times in the pilot episode, you make the path that you live. And I was like, well, isn't this poetic? Yep. Coming into my talk with Eddie, because that applies to everything. You make the path that you live. And that includes your internal path, your mental path. If you, you know, you can choose to set yourself up for success internally and mentally in your relationships, uh, in your friendships, your living situation, so that you can make the career path that you want. Yeah, truly. And I, you know, like, like the lead and like all of us in real life, I think that sometimes when things don't go our way or when we didn't get that thing, maybe it was because we weren't meant to get it. Maybe it was somebody else's turn to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that thing, maybe you were not meant to pursue that thing altogether, or at least that particular job or that goal uh, in particular. Um, and, and maybe you need to get a few more things in order before you got that thing, you know? And, and the show, the story talks a lot about your making your own destiny, but also finding what is your destiny. And so there's like this ebb and flow. So it's not to say like you're doomed to follow one path no matter what you do. Um, right. No, you still have you know. free will and autonomy. There's you still, still have choice. autonomy, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of growth that we all have to do within ourselves to, to, in order to, to make our way, you know, yeah, and, to be uh, ready for the thing that's for you. We always like, it's a very like Western capitalistic sort of mindset to say like, oh, I'm going to get ready. And then it's transactional. Like once I get ready for that thing, I need to get that thing. And if I didn't get it, I failed and I fucked up. Wow. Yeah. As opposed to just having this more open mindset of like, I'm always getting ready to be ready to be ready, mm. to be ready. And, oh, I and love that. you're mm-hmm. always trying to bring yourself, putting, you're always trying to put yourself in a position to get closer to the thing. So even if it's not the next train stop, it might be like a few more down the stretch and that's okay, you know? And then you'll be able to figure it out in hindsight later on as to why it went or didn't go the way that you had previously planned. And I think yeah. that that's when, when people talk about enjoying the journey, I, that's how I like to color in that perspective. Mm. As opposed to being like, oh, I lost my luggage and I'm lost in the middle <laughs> of Europe. Like if that's hard to enjoy when you're out of money and your, your phone is dead, like, <laughs> like that's a little hard to enjoy, but like, to but then you can kind of take a step back and be like, all right, what was I supposed to learn from this? And also how did this happen? Like there's kind of a reason this might have happened, right? How did this happen? Ooh, Which may or may one. not be your fault. That's up to you to suss out and you know, sure. like, accountability is good accountability uh, is good Agreed. also pointing out the uh, flaws in the system surrounding you is also i think is always also a healthy very good also very healthy yeah and necessary so, yeah. yeah but i think uh, i think for me it's always been like being ready to be ready and, and, and so on and so forth was sort of the the overall mindset that i had to adopt for for a while in order mm-hmm. to get to anywhere near close to where i got to and i still have to keep doing that as do we all. And it's a constant learning curve and a constant journey. And gosh, there's so much that I just got out of this conversation. And now I'm thinking about, you know, putting out the energy you want to attract and staying yeah. ready and making sure that the, that everything else besides the, the dangling carrot in front of you is set up so that you are continually ready for when the opportunities cross your path. And even when those opportunities come and you you do get what you want, I, I I can sit here, I can sit here with a straight face and tell you I've gotten so many things that I want. It doesn't fill your cup in yeah. the way that you in you in the way that you think it does in terms of like, would I give back anything that I have right now? No, nope. no, I'm keeping. Um, <laughs> but that being said, my happiness, my mental, physical, spiritual well being is a mm. constant 
foot on the gas inside job that I have to continually do. And it has been, it, it has not been easy. Like, especially after through this past year, whether it's directly, directly related to my job on Kung Fu or not, like mm-hmm. I really, it's my job to, to do my job. Yeah. Which is, I think, I think seeking, feeling good is while it sounds very, very vague, I think when, when in doubt, if and when in doubt, and we often will be, Mm -hmm. uh, which is okay. Sometimes, sometimes an option is choosing the path of least resistance, but also another option is finding the path that makes you feel good. And Mm -hmm. that feels right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like literally feel good. Like, like, like dancing around your kitchen and, and, (laughs) blasting your favorite playlist on Spotify and like yeah it can be simple it can be it can be really simple and sometimes and that's that that to me is the work Mm -hmm. and I when never have I ever rolled around when kung fu rolled around for me like no not everything was perfect in my life and I wasn't the happiest who I was but like there were things that I had come I had reached a level of peace in certain departments in my life whether it was comparing whether it was auditioning or family shit whatever like yeah. there was a level of a certain level of, of peace that I had attained and I think that 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 did help yeah absolutely yeah Eddie you're just the best and I just love you I love you Kelsey thank you <laughs> thank you so you much for being here on find your magic how can the how can the people find you and support you on Instagram is that the best place to find you Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and both of my handles are Eddie Lou who we'll put that in the show notes so you can go ahead and just click on it. Sounds great. Yeah. And uh, you can also follow the, uh, the Kung Fu social media pages, which is at CW underscore Kung Fu. Love. Yeah. we got the season finale coming up next week uh, and you can catch all the episodes for free the next day after they air uh, on the CW app, which is for free. Love it. Yeah. Catch up. It's crazy. It's fun. It's really um, I good. Want, I, I don't I want mean, people I know. to feel like it's homework. Like I don't want people to feel like they have to watch. Oh my god! Because it's not homework. Like, We're doing you a favor, you guys. We're doing you a favor by giving you your new time. like summer bingeable show. It's so yeah. cute. It's so good. There are a lot of very fun martial arts sequences in it, but it's not just about martial arts or kung fu. It is yeah. again like it's a beautiful sort of family drama if you're just you'll you'll love you'll love it just go to cw.com watch the pilot you'll be hooked it's fine all right thanks everybody for being here and for tuning in i'm kelsey foremost this is eddie lou and i am so excited about this episode of find your magic you can find more episodes on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to podcasts and also the videos are up on youtube so we will talk to you very soon bye everybody thanks everybody thank you kelsey Hey, Magic Maker, if you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.